0: What's going on, guys? It is Thursday, July 22nd, and today, um, for episode 158, I have Zach Bronstein, COO of Endowment. Endowment allows you to make 501c3 tax-deductible donations using crypto to your favorite nonprofit organization, all on blockchain on top of Ethereum. It's a great way to support your favorite causes with crypto and also take tax deductions legally when you feel that you need to. Anyways, I'll let Zach explain this to you more. Be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain and endowment. Enjoy. Hello, Zach Bronstein. Welcome to the Blockhash podcast live once again. How are you? What's going on?
1: Doing really well, Brandon. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah, excited to have you here. Um, where are you based? Where are you from?
1: Yeah, so originally I'm from New Jersey, but currently based out of uh, Westchester, just north of New York City. Oh, what's Westchester like? I, I don't know anything about
0: New York or upstate New York or anything outside of New York City.
1: <laughs> so if you're in New York City, it's often referred to as upstate New York, even though it's uh, you know less than an hour drive kind of from downtown Manhattan. Um, but basically just like a... A nice mixture of like city living and suburban life. Okay,
0: what's the weather like? Is it like that perfect New England weather people talk about? That awesome I, I, seasonal weather. I wish.
1: I wish. It's uh, no. it's been quite hot recently. Although it's a lovely day today. Um, occasionally we do get some some nice weather, but it's been like eighty-five plus for a while. So I don't have a, a ton of positive things to say about the weather of late. Ah, okay, okay. I'm in Miami
0: right now, so I have nothing but positive things to say about. The <laughs> yeah, weather. there you go. <laughs> um. Cool. So yeah, let's, before we talk about endowment and jump into all the the nitty gritty stuff, tell me about, you know, yourself, your backgrounds, like what is it that you did before this, um, you know, leading up to endowment? Like what's, what's your story in the industry? How did you decide to get involved in blockchain?
1: Yeah, great question. So my involvement at endowment really began uh, as a, in a volunteer capacity back in about August of 2020. Um, before that, I'd spent the last five years doing finance at Morgan Stanley, and my goal there was really to get a job to, to kind of cut my teeth and, and make, make life a little bit difficult for me, you know, challenge myself to really grow my financial acumen. Um, before that, you know, my, I guess my background is really entirely in the nonprofit world. Um, I worked and volunteered at various nonprofits. I was a teacher, I was a teacher. I was a tutor, trying to combine those two words. Um, And now, you know, I finally found an opportunity to kind of put these two sides of myself together, this financial uh, curiosity alongside impact investing, doing things for the good of the community.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, Was there like anything in particular that got you like excited about blockchain that made you want to get into this space versus any other space?
1: Yeah. So, you know, uh, Robbie Heger, who's the endowment CEO, approached me back last summer. Um, and originally, this was just a chat about cryptocurrency generally. You know, we were in uh, the beginnings of a really exciting time to be in the market. Um, and I think, you know, Robbie just kind of approached me as someone who he knew was really interested in finance um, and also someone who was kind of Growing tired of working at a, uh, you know, a big fortune 100 finance firm where, you know, I kind of just get slotted into a role and and go through, you know, kind of general work practices every day. Um, Learning about cryptocurrency, learning about really the decentralized nature of a DAO was probably the most exciting thing to me. And I think that finding ways to combine the world of philanthropy and the decentralized nature of the way that, you know, everything crypto and blockchain is run is really exciting because what I've seen in the traditional world is that you have a large company, they have some, you know, philanthropic element, and just a couple people at the top get to decide where all of their funds or where all their effort gets to go. And if instead you have a DAO that is participating in something related to philanthropy, it's actually going to be quite representative of where all the members of that DAO think their assets should be put to good use. So that was the thing that really excited me about the space, made me interested. But to be, you know, perfectly straightforward, it was this philanthropic element that got me excited about entering blockchain and specifically, you know, the Ethereum blockchain space.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ways philanthropy and, um, you know, blockchain, you know, come together and intersect. And you know, DAOs are definitely one of those um, intersection points. Remember the DAO hack, like, um, geez, it seems like ages ago uh, yeah. with in like 2016, I think. So like 11, 11 and a half years ago, or sorry, not 11, five, five and a half years ago. Like, <laughs>
1: feels like 11 and a half years it ago, feels right? like
0: 11 and a half years ago, like five, five and a half years ago. Um, you know, what have, have DAOs like progressed, like since then, like meaningfully progressed to the point where it's, you know, actually, um, useful and you don't have those types of concerns where you know it's going to fall apart and stuff because it's endowments built on top of ethereum correct that's correct yeah okay um i, I guess maybe they have because it's not an area that i've followed too closely since then it's, it's kind of put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth for a long time but um you know do you see you know dows having improved quite a bit since then to you know be more fitting as a use case for stuff like this
1: I think they have. And I think that, you know, the DAO hack, um, while like not fun to be a participant in or really to watch, you know, you, you feel bad that this is happening. Uh, certainly, if you lost money, you feel even worse. Um, but I think it was a rather educational moment in the kind of building process for, for DAOs of the future. Right. And something I like to say a lot is you learn a lot more through failure than you do from success right? It actually tells you that you need to change something about what you're doing in order to get to the place you want to go. So in the last five years, I think that DAOs have improved. Um, I'm certainly interested to see where they continue to go. But, you know, look look at the way that something like Snapshot is used to kind of organize the way that voting happens at a DAO, right? Look at the way that DAO structures, be it, you know, the Spartan Council over at SNX, or any of the other like larger, more robust DAOs come together to make decisions um, and really like fine tune the rules of the DAO itself to determine what can we make decisions about, what can the DAO not make decisions about. And I think the name of the game is really determining, you know, what kind of decisions can be made by this decentralized entity that is not just easy to do what makes more sense to kind of distribute the responsibility for making that decision, as opposed to some other decisions that for one reason or another, can't be kind of spread out for the community. Maybe it include, Maybe it involves some kind of PII, maybe it involves some kind of, you know, insight into the code that is not public, right? But it's just about determining, you know, what can the DAO be responsible for and what can it not be responsible for? And for all of those, it can't be responsible for things thinking creatively about ways that you can actually move that over to the DAO category and say, actually, this is something the DAO can maintain ownership over and we can move away from as a leadership team.
0: Why, why Ethereum? Why not, you know, build it on top of another blockchain um, out there? Is, are DAOs, you know, just better served being ran on Ethereum as of right now? Or is, is there like, is your heart with Ethereum or like why Ethereum and not another pro, uh, blockchain
1: out there? So I'll give you the personal reason, then I'll give you the business reason. The personal reason is that Ethereum is the most exciting space to be in. It's where the the developer energy is. It is kind of the the up and coming blockchain, as it were. I guess it's pretty big currently, but, you know, it it is uh, with Ethereum. Yeah, it's, you know, trailing behind the Bitcoin Bitcoin. market cap. It's kind (laughs) of, you know, chopping at the bit to be number one. But the business reason is really because we want it to be close to the DeFi space. You know, we think of ourselves as DeFi's, you know, on-chain 501c3 community foundation, allowing folks who are able to deploy their assets in DeFi, earn a whole bunch of yield, and they want to do one of two things with that. They want to make a donation because they really care about impact, and that's really the motivating factor, or they want to take some long-term capital gains asset, appreciated asset donate that asset and offset some of their taxable income, right? So Mm -hmm. by being close to the DeFi space, one, we get access to all these folks that have lots of kind of growing assets that they're suddenly able to do, you know, new and interesting things with. And in addition to that, you know, as we grow out our our programmatic offerings, you know, we're hoping to um, kind of link in, like be puzzle pieces that fit together with the other DeFi projects and protocols. So you could do things like, and now we're getting, you know, into the future, not into what endowment can do now, but you can do things like dedicate the yield earned on a specific platform to your donor advised fund at endowment automatically, right? So there are a lot of interesting, exciting integrations that we can do because we're on the Ethereum blockchain and because we can kind of link up with that DeFi space.
0: Yeah, Ethereum is definitely still the largest blockchain out there outside of Bitcoin if you remove it. Um, you know, a lot of activity is still happening there. So I guess that does make a lot of sense. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Ethereum gets better and faster and cheaper in the future and can hold on to that spot. It's got a lot of competition out there. Um, but let's talk about endowment a little bit more. Um, what What's the main purpose of of endowment or what's like the goal for endowment? What are you guys trying to accomplish in the space using DAOs, using um, philanthropy?
1: Yeah. So our mission is to encourage the philanthropic giving of cryptocurrency assets, just really straightforward. Mm -hmm. There are tons of cryptocurrency assets, right? It's a ballooning asset class that has kind of exploded in market capitalization over the past couple of months and couple of years. And we want to help link up folks that have these cryptocurrency assets with nonprofits that typically are not set up in any way to receive cryptocurrency donations, right? So Mm -hmm. what are we like? I mentioned before, we're uh, really the first completely on chain 501 C three. We offer the ability for folks to make donations on our platform, receive some kind of tax deduction if appropriate in their use case and our mission is a little bit different from other donor advice funds, right? Our mission is about throughput and we define success as getting money out the door. If if you'll indulge me for a minute to talk about why we're different from a Schwab or a Fidelity donor advice fund provider, right? Their model is we charge somewhere between two to 4% per year on assets under management that you have in this account, right? So they are directly incentivized to make it really easy to get money in and make it really hard to get money out. That's how they make money. Um, we didn't like that model. We wanted to flip the way that donor advised funds work on their head. So what we did here is we decided to be the lowest cost donor advised fund provider in the country. Essentially we take 50 BIPs. So half a percent of all donations that come in and we take hundred BIPs, 1% of all grants that go out. So that's just one and a half percent fee on, you know, all dollars as they move through the firm, right? And another important statistic is that at a traditional donor advice fund provider, typically you see donor-advised funds drawn down by about 22% per year. We have a record so far of about 98% of assets flowing out in the same year that they came in. So, you know, we are really trying to emphasize getting money out the door to nonprofits, not just having it sit in a donor-advised fund account. Right. So our goal to, you know, to come back to your question is really to make sure that we are making it simple and easy one for our cryptocurrency friends to come on our platform, to open up a donor advised fund and to make a donation into that donor advised fund and to get a tax receipt for making that donation. And then two for nonprofits who are receiving grant recommendations from endowment to have a really easy time. Uh, essentially claiming their organization and getting the money transferred into their bank accounts directly. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: In in terms of like your users, like, can anyone set up a fund with Kickstarter? Is it like like Kickstarter? Can anyone set it up? um, Something like that with endowment or, you know, are these funds generally tailored to specific um, uh, nonprofit organizations? Um, or like how, how flexible is it if someone wants to set up a fund?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so to answer your question, super directly, very flexible, anyone can set up a fund. Let's dive in and talk about what that donor flow actually looks like. So you are a crypto native person, you have an Ethereum wallet, that Ethereum wallet has some amount of Ethereum in it because there are going to be a little, little bit of gas costs that are going to come up here. So you do need some of that, uh, you know, Ethereum in your wallet. Basically, all you're going to do is you're going to approach app.endowment.org, right? You're going to come onto the website and create a fund, right? Um, To open a fund, all you actually need to do is pay a small gas cost. Essentially, what we do on the back end is you give us a little bit of Ethereum, that gas cost. Um, We go out there and deploy a donor advised fund contract, a fund contract, essentially that fund contract is only accessible by the wallet that created that contract. So your wallet, right? Um, Once created, you can navigate to your fund page at any point and you can use our, currently we're only using Uniswap, but we're very close to integrating SushiSwap liquidity as well. Um, But basically you'll be able to use the modal on your donor advised fund page to directly donate into that fund Uh, any one of about 150 different types of cryptocurrency. We also take uh, a couple of them kind of over the counter that are not, you know, native in the app if they're not ERC20 tokens, right? So you take your cryptocurrency, you donate it into your donor advised fund. At that point, two things happen immediately. One, we email you a receipt for that donation saying, you know, we just received a donation in this amount of US dollars because we give you a US dollars conversion, make it really easy for you, your CPA and the IRS, right? Um, And we let you know that this is, you know, potentially a tax deductible donation. I should say it is a a tax deductible donation in the full amount if it is a long-term gain. If it's a short-term gain, you're limited to cost basis, but we're getting kind of now really down to the nitty gritty. Um, The second thing that happens at the moment of donation is we go out there, like I said, to Uniswap currently. Soon you'll have the option to choose Uniswap or SushiSwap. But we go out there and we liquidate your gift for US dollar coin. We take US dollar coins, we leave them in your fund contract. At that point, you're able to use our site to search any one of about 1.5 million different US-based 501c3 nonprofit organizations. Um, 501c3 is just a specific code of nonprofits essentially means that it is a public benefit corporation that is non-governmental and non-religious in nature, um, and also is not a lobbying entity, right? So there are about 1.5 million in the US that are in good standing with the IRS. You can search our site, you can look for those organizations, and you can recommend a grant to any organization you want, right? right? Once you recommend a grant to that organization, funds, the USDC funds, will be transferred from your fund contract into their org contract. And you can think of their org contract essentially as an escrow contract, right? This is where the funds will sit while we onboard and wait for the nonprofit to accept the grant recommendation. If they accept, we transfer the funds over to them. And if they don't accept, we send them back to your, for for any reason, right? We send them back to your fund and you get to make another grant recommendation with the same funds. Um, The nonprofits at the end of the day have two options for the ways to receive funding the most popular option, I would say about 95% of the time is to receive funding via bank wire, right? Nonprofits typically, you know, are used to working in like the traditional fiat world. They We make it really easy for them by sending an ABA bank wire directly into their bank account. Doesn't really require any action from them that they're not used to taking for other donations or working with other donor advised fund providers. We also do, however, allow the option for For folks that, you know, are working at nonprofits and may have some cryptocurrency knowledge, maybe they have a nonprofit Ethereum wallet, we offer to just send them the U.S. dollar coins directly into their organization's wallet, um, which they can do as well. That's about, you know, 5% of the time Uh, we're seeing adoption of that kind of activity increase over time. But like I said, the vast majority of orgs are, are very happy with the bank wire option.
0: Yeah. What if, what if you had like a project or a startup and you wanted to fund something like that instead, other than a nonprofit,
1: could that be done as well through endowment? So currently the only thing that we do at endowment is allow you to make tax deductible donations to tax exempt entities, right? So currently the only, uh, I guess, recipients of grants on endowment are 501 C three nonprofits. So you can't fund, um, just like personal projects or like individual people, right? But there are some kind of interesting things that you can do in this space where you can have an established 501c3 that you know, you're able to give to on endowment and that established 501c3 can partner with, for example, an organization that is in the process of getting their 501c3 status. And they can say, you know, we're going to sponsor this organization And you can send the money to this sponsor org, the established 501c3. -hmm. And while we can't send the money directly to that organization that you want to help, that just hasn't gotten that 501c3 status yet, this sponsored organization can do things like buy equipment for them, buy supplies for them, kind of pay for space for them, things like that.
0: Do you have uh, plans to potentially go that direction with endowment or do you guys want to stay focused on 501 C threes and tax exempt, you know, donations and stuff like that?
1: So the answer to that question is really uh, no and yes. So we'll start with a no and then we'll get to the yes. Um, the no is really that endowment.org is specifically created so that folks can come on, make donations, get tax receipts for those donations, and then grant out their donated dollars to nonprofits. That's the mission of.org and, you know, continued offerings of.org are going to be like, we have these individual focused donor advice funds. We are created, we have created, and we're still in the midst of creating additional community funds, either that are linked with some protocol or linked with some some issue area, some philanthropic mission area, right? That's the no part of it. That's where we're really going with the .org piece. Separately from that, um, there are kind of other avenues that we'd like to investigate in terms of using blockchain technology to change the way that we work with pooled capital. Let me explain. So there are other kinds of tax advantageous accounts that aren't donating to a donor advised fund, which is the most efficient donation based account you can have. For instance, there are 529 accounts that allow you to raise funds for, you know, sending someone to college, right? I think it would be really cool if we could create an endowment.529 site where you could create essentially 529 funds that are exposed to cryptocurrency in some way. Right, So the, the additional offerings that we have down the road, the things that we're thinking about for expanding what endowment does um, on the .dot .org side right, is all donation based. We do want to embrace our namesake, build an endowment, right? We want that DAO piece. We want to give over some of the you know, governance roles to our community to elect our board of directors using a DAO vote, right? And then separately, we have these other ideas about, you know, not donation based, but ways to deal with pooled capital to give those accounts kind of exposure to the crypto world and see what kind of new offerings we can come up with uh, in that way.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things you could do with pooled capital, um, you know, in creating funds outside of just 501c3s. Uh, um, I mean, you could do a lot of community-based things mm-hmm. um, to fund, like, community projects and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I see a lot of different ways that you guys could go with endowment outside of that. Um, it'd be kind of cool to see how that shapes up in the future. But what kind of cryptos do you guys accept for donations? Do you just accept, like, the basic ones like Bitcoin, and Ethereum, and, like, USDC, or do you accept other altcoins, too?
1: so we accept other altcoins too you know we're not limited to just like the top two or even the top 10 by market cap um you know within our application we accept i believe it's about 150 different forms of cryptocurrency that are on the ethereum blockchain so anywhere from you know ethereum or link or uni but and all the way to you know uh, maker and sushi and synthetics like we are you know, I guess currency agnostic in terms of the way that we accept currency on platform. And if there are any additional you know, cryptocurrencies that are growing in popularity on the Ethereum blockchain, we're going to go into our back end. We're going to unlock that token. We're going to allow folks to donate that token directly. And like I said earlier, you know, if there are tokens that are not on the Ethereum blockchain that we don't accept directly, right, something like a Dogecoin, which we actually did have a donation of Dogecoin about three weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, you know, we come up with ways to basically accept those donations in an over-the-counter way. It's not, you know, built into our UI, but we'll make it happen. If there are folks out there that have cryptocurrency and want to give, be it Cardano, be it an ERC-20, be it something else, we're here and ready to figure out a way to accept it.
0: Yeah. How, how much of you guys um, have seen donated thus far? Do you have, you know, stats for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So those stats are actually public on our site, and we're always going to keep them public, but I'll give them to you right now. We launched in October of last year. Um, We've actually seen the majority of donations come in in 2021. But so far, we've had $2.7 million donated to donor advised funds and community funds and endowment. Mm -hmm. And we've granted out about $1.9 million. Um, that have come in which means that just you know some quick math here there's about 800k left in donor advice funds that folks have yet to grant out to organizations and that could be because you know they haven't decided on an organization that they want to grant to yet or it could just because the donors are on their own schedule and that's the really nice thing or one of the really nice things i should say about donor advice funds that you can give a gift all at once and as soon as you give that gift You'll get a tax receipt. You just made a donation, right? You get credit for that donation, but you can grant out those monies however you wish. Um, Because we don't charge any kind of like yearly fee based on AUM, our users know that if it takes them a week or a year or two years, that the fees are gonna be exactly the same. Because again, we don't wanna make money on dollars sitting idle in donor advised funds we want our organizational incentives to be aligned with our mission get that money out the door to nonprofits that can use it to make an impact
0: yeah what get, what is the reason that it gets tied up in those donor advice funds and doesn't get sent out to organizations is it just you know the funds being set up and not knowing where to send it out or is there another logistic
1: reason so that's a great question um it's part of it is definitely because folks want to make the donation um, want that tax deduction, but don't necessarily know where they want to give their oh, donation okay. yet. Right. So something that we're doing to address that is we're creating a number of different community funds. A great example is the uh, carbon. It's the Crypto Carbon Offset Fund, which is essentially a, a fund used to kind of pool capital. And we distribute that capital to three organizations, Carbon Fund, Cool Effect, and BEF, that all directly purchase, I'll directly source and purchase um, carbon offsets, right? The idea there is that, you know, we are putting blockchain assets to use in order to offset the negative externalities of blockchain technology, because like currently Ethereum is still a proof of work blockchain. You know, we haven't gone through the merge yet, so we haven't been able to reduce our energy consumption collectively as a blockchain. Um, You know, we thought this was a good idea, but You know, to go a little bit farther into it, um, you know, this is actually the main nonprofit criticism of existing donor advised funds is that money gets put in donor advised funds and doesn't come out, right? I quoted that 22% per year figure for traditional donor advised fund disbursement, right? Nonprofits don't like that. And to be honest, we don't like that either. We don't think that's great. Again, we want money out the door. That's accomplishing our mission. So you also have to kind of bring into this that Fidelity and Schwab and Vanguard, great organizations, I don't think that they're putting roadblocks in place for making grants, but that said, they are directly financially incentivized to not make that process easy to kind of drag out the grant making process so that they're able to claim additional fee revenue, right? So basically those are the two main reasons that I see funds getting stagnant in donor advice funds. One, we have this traditional problem of misaligned incentives. And then two, we have this question of, you know, I know that I wanted a tax receipt because I know, or I want a tax receipt for my donation, right? Because I know what income, what capital gains income I need to offset this year, but I don't know what to do with it now. So we're trying to make that easier as well.
0: Yeah, I know there are a lot of people that want to take that tax deduction. <laughs> so this is probably a good avenue for them. They're probably going to be listening to this and like, oh, I could just you know, make a crypto donation and not have to pay so much taxes on crypto. So
1: yeah. And that, have that issue this year. Exactly. Uh, especially, you know, after a bull run when people have taken gains. Right. And I think that one of the most exciting parts of a donor advice fund, and this is true for all donor advice funds that have existed, you know, in this country for the better part of half a century. Um, When you donate to a donor advised fund, it doesn't look like making a normal donation, right? If you had one Bitcoin and you held it from 10,000 up to 50 and sold it, you'd have a gain of 40K. You'd have to pay capital gains tax on that gain. And then you could donate the remainder, assuming you wanted to donate all parts of that asset. Mm -hmm. In a donor advised fund, you don't have to go through that process, right? You take that asset, you send it to us we liquidate that asset. And because we're a tax-exempt 501c3 entity, we don't have to pay the capital gains tax on that asset. You get, if it's a long-term appreciated gain, you get full, like the full deduction of the worth of that asset. And the nonprofit recipient also gets the full amount of that asset that you just donated. So in that way, you know, we're super efficient. We get more money that's donated to the place it's going. And we get a higher receipt, like a higher tax deduction receipt for our users who are pretty used to needing to actually sell assets before donating them. And in that way, like donor advice funds have got to be, and they are at least in my opinion, kind of the, the unknown, like secret weapon of modern portfolio management theory. And they're really not used or talked about outside of like pretty wealthy communities. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so nice. I I'm going to need that at some point, honestly. Um, and I know a lot of people that find it beneficial to be able to take a tax deduction and make a donation rather than just give it to the IRS. Um, yeah, a lot of people are going to have that issue this year. Uh, one more question before we like start wrapping it up and everything. Sure. Where's your, um, where's your community at? Do you guys have like a discord or a telegram? Where do people come together to kind of chat about the, the stuff that you guys are doing with endowments and where the people are making their donations and, um, where people are chit-chatting?
1: Yeah, so our biggest platform for discussion is definitely Discord. You know, we have a Twitter as well that Twitter mainly serves as like making announcements that are, you know, really key and important. Um, I would definitely drive folks toward our Discord. We have a number of different channels for organizations to meet donors, for donors to meet organizations, right, for tech support, just for kind of discussion about, you know, future integrations that folks would like to see or ideas that people have for ways to build out different kind of donation capability here. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm very happy to say that it's been a it's been a rapidly growing community. You know, I'm, I'm excited to be on this show talking to you because it seems like every time that Ravi or I get on a podcast and have a discussion, you know, we have a you know a whole new group of people coming over, joining our application, and you know, depending on the kind of user they are, they're either creating a donor advice fund and are excited to uh, make a donation, or be ready to make a donation, you know, towards the end of the year. Or they're a nonprofit that's excited to say, you know, we've actually had a bunch of people who said, you know, I want to donate Bitcoin. I want to donate Ethereum. And we've turned them away before. It sounds like we don't have to do that anymore. Like, can you tell me more about that? Um, And honestly, my favorite conversations to have are getting on the phone with nonprofits and helping them to understand that, like, they don't have to expose themselves to any of the kind of risky parts of working with cryptocurrency and instead can just reap the benefit. You know, we take care of, uh, I guess we're crypto off ramp for nonprofits, right? We take care of that whole process. And if nonprofits want to use that bank wire option that we were talking about before, they actually don't need to create a digital wallet. They don't need to interact with cryptocurrency in any way. That said, you know, we think that educating them on cryptocurrency, getting them comfortable in this world is going to help these folks, these nonprofit professionals feel more comfortable about crypto about blockchain and eventually we think it's going to lead to additional cryptocurrency adoption um in the mainstream
0: it definitely will it it hits a different corner of the market it's really cool to be able to talk to you know people like you guys that are you know blockchain focused but have a philanthropic side to it Um, you surprisingly don't see that as often i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. in the space just think because they're working in crypto and blockchain that that is philanthropic in a lot of ways But they don't, know, combine traditional, you know, methods like that with blockchain to, you know, create solutions like this. So it's kind of cool to hear what you guys are doing with endowment and everything. Um, And, you know, having that, you know, in the space and that opportunity, that um, angle where, you know, people can make donations with crypto if they want to, which I think has kind of been lacking. I'm surprised that there aren't more ways to donate with crypto, um, given how easy it is to just, you know, to send anybody. So it's cool. It is. It's surprising.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for those kind
0: words. Yeah, of course. Anyways, we'll wrap it up there. Zach, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast, talk about endowments, talk about um, everything you guys are doing with donor advised funds and 501c3s and tax donations, which is awesome. Um, And I'm definitely going to need in the future as well. Um, So yeah, thank you for making the time today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure to be here. Um, Thank you so much for being such a gracious host. I really appreciate it.
0: Of course, Uh, stay on for just a second. I'll talk to you. Um, Otherwise, we'll talk again in the future on the podcast.
1: Sounds good. Looking forward to it.